Hello, ladies, gentlemen, boys, and girls, Joshi fans of all ages. I am Dylan Murray, and this is Victory Through Guts, our classic Joshi podcast. Today is our wonderful Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling Special. FMW, the most fun promotion of all time. One of them. You know, they uh, it's a lot of death, a lot of, a lot of explosions. Um, not in this show, at least. There's a lot, of, a lot of good stuff, and they also had one of the most vibrant Joshi promotions of the 90s. Um, today, we're going to talk about sort of the, the beginning of that. We've talked about the Outbreakers before, so a little bit after that. It's still 1990, but we're going to get into, you know, a bit more uh, foundation work, a bit more de- uh, one debut um, on the show that I'm very excited about, and a bunch of other good stuff, a little bit of bad stuff, but, you know, it, it, it'll be fun. Um, obviously, my wonderful co-host, Alex, is here. Introduce yourself. Hello, yeah, I'm Alex. Uh, I'm just here to tell you all to uh, stand Combat Toyota because she fucking rules, as we will learn today. I have indeed converted Alex into a Combat Toyota stand. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll get into it in a minute, but Combat Toyota was actually probably my fra- my first favorite Joshi wrestler because um, I remember watching her and Kudo from uh, 95, 96, and I was like, She's absolutely amazing. So yeah, combat is great. We'll talk about her in a second. But since this is a classic Joshi podcast, and you know, we're we're all about the we're all about the oldies. We're all about the classics. We're all about the the legends of this business. Um, Assemble, which if you guys haven't heard, is a brand new Joshi. Uh, what do you call it, Alex? Like a a Joshi unit, a Joshi uh, collaboration. Um, yeah, it's kind of like a union. Yeah, so. a Joshi union to say um they will be presenting their second ever show in november and it will include a very very interesting match for me and alex as big fans of classic joshi wrestling alex would you like to talk a little bit more about that um yes we've got the uh hall of fame edition special match uh on one team we have jaguar yakota chigusa nagayo and kaoru ito and they're against dump matsumoto yumiko hoda and kaoru um, like this match dates back to to the 1980s. Like Jaguar Yokota was like the big star of AJW just before kind of the Crush Gals took over her spot. And then of course Nagayo and Dub Matsumoto had one of the most like legendary and iconic rivalries in all of Joshi. And then you have names like Yumiko Hoda, Kaoru Ido, and Kaoru, who a lot of the time don't get the respect they deserve, but they were people who no matter what era of wrestling they were in they performed really really well like uh hoda we've talked about hoda a lot on this podcast like she's still going she's still a big part of joshi uh kaoru was fantastic in ajw she was fantastic in gaia and now even in like marvelous and sender girls she still kicks ass and kaoru itu is one of the like best tag team wrestlers in ajw in the mid 90s but just because of the Super Show era, she doesn't get a lot of recognition, but she was incredibly talented too. So, like this match from a big nerd perspective is just a really cool uh, collection of talents. Yeah, somebody like um, Kiara Ito, she didn't really like become a big big star until after AJW started suffering some of their mm-hmm. you know financial behind the scenes issues. Um, in the late 90s. So by the time she became like the top dog in AJW, uh, nobody really cared. And that's really a shame because Kiarita is really great. Um, there's a few names like that that, you know, like like um, Yumiko K- make 
Meikawa. I fucking hate myself. I forget her name. <laughs> She's a goat. But you know, like like just like wrestlers like that. Even Yumiko Hoda to a degree, who like start really like coming into their own um in the late nineties and they don't really get the respect they deserve because they weren't a part of the real like boom dream match gigantic. They weren't like the the main stars of that. So um yeah, Kiro Ito is I'm really excited to see her. Um I know she's been wrestling she's still wrestling, uh whereas like Dump, she's more of a part timer. Um you know, Chigusa's a part timer. I always forget Chigusa still wrestles because it's like mm-hmm. she's just like like she she's like the the myth of the mythos of of Joshi wrestling. And it's like oh yeah, I still wrestle sometimes. And it's like holy shit! Like she took that that forced retirement seriously. She's never retiring. <laughs> like like she <laughs> she's like I ain't doing that shit ever again. Um, so yeah, real excited about that match. Um, but let's let's get back into our our timeline back thirty years. Um, obviously, like I said, we're we're reviewing FMW today, and then next month we will be reviewing the big, gigantic WrestleMania pre-ad two show, um, biggest ma- biggest show of the year. Um, hope that you join us. Tell your friends. You, you, you know the ramble. I'll get to it later. Um, but yes, so FMW, where we left off, we've only reviewed like one match, and it wasn't very good. Um, but back in the day, in May, you know, May June. The Outbreakers of Combat Toyota, Megumi Kudo, and Rebun Amada, they were running rapid on Joshi Wrestling and FMW. They were beating everybody. They were beating the shit out of everybody, in fact. And Megumi Kudo, being the the kind-hearted person she was, got kind of sick of being a bully. So she started bullying Amada back, and Amada started bullying her back. And with that, the Outbreakers broke up. Uh... As we saw last time, there was a hair versus hair match. Megumi Kudo was like, I ain't cutting no hair. And then she got slapped across the face. That was kind of the end of the three-person outbreakers. And it led to a big feud between Kudo and Combat and Amada. I shouldn't be calling her Combat, actually, because at this point, she was still just Toyota. Um, But in our first match, the street fight from Summer Spectacular August 4th of 1990 is the first time she comes out as Combat Toyota. Um... What would happen back in the day a lot is um, Onita, when a Joshi wrestler would become quote-unquote ready, he would give them, like, a, a cool nickname, you know? Um, and I think Combat Toyo is one of my favorite wrestling names of all time, too. But, you know, like, uh, you know, Eriko Tsuchiya, who we'll talk about later, or Yoshika Maitamari, who we'll talk about later, they both became Shark and Crusher um, after Dream Slam, because they impressed so much that Dream Slam, um, Onita was like, you guys... You guys deserve badass names, so I'm going to rename you. So, yes, um, the street fight served as Combat Toyota's first real, you know, first combat match, so to speak. And it was a pretty good one. Um, you know, it was a street fight. Alex, how did you feel about this one? Um, yeah, I quite liked it. Like, there was a lot of intensity, um, which I think I always enjoy in wrestling. Like, they, like uh, Kudo did a suicide dive to start the match. Like, you knew that these two wanted to to get at each other and i always appreciate that kind of vibe from a wrestling match um i thought peyota was really good in this match like she just works really well as the heel and to me she really mixes the uh the kind of matsumoto i will toss you around with you know the more modern for this podcast anyway joshi style of good matches like she she plays the heel, she plays the menace, but the matches are also really entertaining. And I thought 
I really appreciated that about this match to where, you know, Kudo, she was really over with the crowd. They weren't bored. They were like really into this. And at this point, obviously, the Joshi division would have still been relatively new to FMW. So to have the crowd so invested in Kudo is a big, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? Like it's a, it's a sign that these two are really good at what they were doing. Yeah. Yeah, that that's actually exactly what I was thinking because um, you know, like this is a really good match, like just frankly. But I've seen a lot of Kamatoya and Megumi Kudo matches. This isn't even like half of the great stuff that they can do, and this was a really good match. So that's really saying something. Um, not only about their chemistry together, but at what they will grow into being. Like you said, um, Kamet Toyota, she really has. Like, honestly, we could just talk about fucking Combat Toyota ruling for the next hour, and I would be fine with that, because I fucking love Combat Toyota. Um, she really, just from the jump, started growing into this, like, big bad monster, and this really good monster heel in Joshi Wrestling. And it was just real instant, and this match was just a, a serving of that. Um, Kudo is also an amazing babyface. She farms sympathy from the crowd like it's absolutely nothing. Um... Overall, really good match. Uh, I, I loved some of the high spots. You know, like they, they brought out the belt for the first time. And uh, as we'll see later on in the show, belts become a very important <laughs> a very important weapon for early days um, FMW women's matches. I think it's partially because, you know, they they weaned into the more deathmatchy stuff. Like this, this wasn't like no, a deathmatch by any means. So they were more weaning into that type of stuff where it's like... Um, they they had one barbed wire match at some point in like the early days, but really, um, Joshi wrestlers didn't do that extreme of stuff like in comparison to you know the main wrestlers who are doing fire bumps and shit. Um, but over time, they obviously start getting more more brazy with that type of stuff. Uh, so the belt is a very big part of this match. Um, they whip each other with it like they're fucking like they hate each other, and it's funny because like. I feel like I read something that like kudos the godmother of combat's kids or something like that. You know, like like they they're like the two like closest human beings. Um, and they're like the entire Joshi division of FMW is actually really close and it's kind of cute. But that's a bit of a sidetrack. They really just beat the shit out of each other, beat the brakes off each other. Um, like you said, it started with Kudo doing a suicide dive and she missed. And combat just beat the shit out of her for it. She was like, "Nah, you ain't get no, <laughs> you don't get no free free takes." And she just like started kicking her like it was it was great. And then later on, Kudo redeemed herself and she did a beautiful top rope dive to the outside. Um, I thought it looked really really like like dives don't usually look like impactful. Like obviously they kind of do, but this one looked like she was like just fucking throwing herself. It, it looked great. Um, everything allows everything these two girls did look really really good um combat ended up pinning kudo with a thunderfire powerbomb uh that move is very significant for fmw at least um bonacano used it at the beginning of the night of 1990 and she used it for a few years before that but for fmw wrestlers the move was innovated by asushi onita so uh, you'll see, you know, Combat and Kudo and I feel like Milosada at some point, they all, I think even um, Crusher Matamori, a lot of them use the Thunderfire Powerbomb as a tribute to o Onita because FMW at its core is just a tribute to Onita. So 
Uh, yeah, so they all used the Thunderfire Powerbombs at different points. Uh, in this match, Combat used it to get the win over Kudo. Uh, Kudo had, like, a bit of a promo afterwards. I don't know if I I think it might have gotten cut. But she was just, like, screaming like she was in the crowd. And she was like, I'll be back or whatever. And the crowd was eating it up. And the crowd loved her. So, yeah. Um, sign of things to come, because Combat and Kudo are absolute workhorses. And they more or less carry the division for the next five years. And yeah, I, I think that they are both absolutely amazing. Um, like I said, this match wasn't even like top tier of theirs. It was, but it was still absolutely really good. So. Especially for like 1990 as well, you know, like at this point, like the Joshi wasn't like super work rate either. You know, we've seen a bit of from JWP. We've seen the occasional like work rate kind of match from AJW, but like, even given the time period that this match took place in, it would have been, it's probably one of the top matches of the year, you know? Like, it was still really good for, you know, being a match that's, like, what, 30 years old, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I, I did really enjoy it. It was, um, it was just real. I love, like, the more street fighty matches, just because, like, they're, they're really, like, all over the place, and I just like that. For some reason, we'll get into another all-over-the-place match in the next bit. Well, not the next one, but the we'll get into it in a little bit. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> I, I really enjoyed this match. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say about it. Uh, that was the only match from the Summer Spectacular um, in August. The next show, rather than, you know, a, a typical FMW show, Alex found a no-ring fan camp show. Uh, from City Gymnasium in September of 1990, September 20th, in fact. Uh, it, it had two matches that were significant. So to actually, I don't, I don't mean to interrupt, but do you know why there was no ring? No, I do not. It, I, I'm pretty sure it just like didn't show up. Like this wasn't meant to be a no ring show. The it's ring just a, didn't show up or something. That's such, such an FMW thing. That makes sense. Yeah. Because I was going to say, I was like, I think they could fit a ring in that venue. Like, it's it's very mm-hmm. easy. You know, like, I'm pretty sure people still ran it until it closed, right? They might still be running it. Um, I forget what, which prefecture is in. But, you know, like, it's a city. Like, they can run it. But, you know, that's actually really fucking funny. Uh, it also <laughs> makes sense because the matting was fucking horrible. Um. Well, the the first match was Miwasato versus um, Yoshika Maitamari, better known as Crusher Maitamari. Um, and it's, you know, just like a regular singles match. And you can tell when they were taking bumps on that mat, it was not a ring. Because they were, they fucking felt it. You could hear the thud. The fan cam was from like, you know, a while away. You can hear the thud that they would make when they hit the ground. It was absolutely disgusting, but it was also kind of fun. So, <laughs> in this match, Maidamari is only six months into her career. Um, Sato is, you know, she's becoming, I think she's the longest tenured FMW wrestler, uh, well, FMW women's wrestler at this point and at any point because she was the beginning of the, the beginning of the division. Uh, so, kind of an obvious uh, finish, but because Miyosato obviously got the win over the young Maidamari. But one thing that was very interesting is that uh, for Sharky and Crusher, you know, um, Mad Dog Military, whatever we want to call them, they, they over time started just like sort of like 
as they improved, they sort of just like stopped like deciding to like do fundamentals and they just started like hitting people and like just just who gives a fuck I'm gonna throw you and it it that's what I know them for. So in these next couple matches, they're very much the rookies and they are very, very good fundamentally. And I wasn't expecting them to be like that good just like from a technical fundamental place um, because of what they end up, you know, making their name on, which is, you know, just beating people up with a fucking scythe and a chain and, you know, all of that good jazz. So in this match, I was very impressed by Metamari and her ability to just, you know, work just as a really, really good uh, you know, a unoffensive heel who like is working over Miyosato for most of the match. Um obviously you have a little bit less, you know, schema about Crusher and Sharky later on. So I'm not sure if that came across how you felt about Maidamari in this uh rookie match for her. Um, like I thought she was good at what she was doing. You know, like uh it was very kind of basic Joshi heel stuff, but she was doing it very good, like the hair throws and just kind of controlling the match. Um, and I, like I have seen bits of what she would become because I think they were in AJW's Tag League at one point and I've seen it. But uh, like even here, you can see that she has a lot of potential to be kind of a menacing heel. Um, I did want to note though, like the finish of this looked ghastly and it was only like a, a fucking suplex. But as mm-hmm. you said, because of the, the way the mat was set up, it just looked so painful. Yeah, like I, I had to watch it a few times, like, just to, like, receive it, because I was like, what the, f-? like, they're really just mm-hmm. doing this, and, but, like, it was so, because, yeah, the finish was just a vertical, you know, brain buster, suplex, whatever you want to call it, uh, Miyosato pinned Crush and Metamari, and, you know, Metamari was, like, working her the entire match, and then Sato was like, I'm a suplex you, and then she won, <laughs> um, if Crusher simply power bombed her, I'm sure she would have killed her. So you know, like that's that's the experience engine there. But yeah, the the suplex just looked really really gross because it was just so like I said, the mats were so fucking thin and it was just concrete and there was no give and it was just disgusting, bro. It was absolutely disgusting. I loved it. Um, Crusher's okay. Obviously, I keep calling her Crusher. Her name isn't isn't Crusher yet. It's not Crusher for another like two and a half years. But I'm keep calling her Crusher, um, <laughs> just because that's that's just what, whatever. Um, Maidamari is kind of a mouthful full compared to Crusher, so you know, work with me here. But yeah, the brain buster just really, really distraught me because like I thought she landed on her head, and I was just like, oh no, she just landed. And it was bad. Like that was <laughs> like she landed perfectly fine. She did it. She did it exactly how she was supposed to. But she was not supposed to on that type of mat. Uh, so yeah, that was that was that match. Uh, it was kind of unremarkable, but it was nice looking at a young uh, Crusher Maidamari. It was you know good another good showing by Miyosato. Uh, Miyosato obviously is like the we we talk about how like Mito Hoda was like sort of like left out of the conversation or you know like there were people who left out of the conversation in AJW. I'd say um, Miwasato is the one who is often left out of the conversation for FMW because she is a pretty you know important figure in their Joshi division over the years and she doesn't get enough 
respect in comparison to you know the the combats and the kudos and even the sharks of chias so she's definitely she's definitely one of the best um on the roster if just for experience factor alone but yeah she she did good here good baby face getting beaten up until she you know broke crusher's back and yeah pretty pretty decent uh you know unoffensive match i'd say you have anything to add before we go into the next one um not really no i think we've covered all the bases okay this is probably my favorite match of this entire fucking thing uh uh-huh. <laughs> magumi kudo and yuki morimatsu or drake morimatsu whatever you want to call her Against the outbreakers of Combat Toyota and Rayboon Amada. Once again, no ring show. City Gym, 920. And boy, is this match chaotic. This shit is fucking insane, bro. It starts with the outbreakers just, like, running at at them. Like, and obviously it's a fan cam, so the camera can't really, like, track them very well. Um, But (laughs) you just see them just run and storm at them and then (laughs) throw them across the fucking, (laughs) across the ground. And, like, because there's no... There's no, like, barricades. There's no, like, barriers or anything. Fans are like, where the fuck are we supposed to go? They're wrestling all... Like, so fans are just fucking scrambling all around the fucking gymnasium. And, like, there's... It's just... It's absolute chaos to begin. Absolutely wonderful. Um, Yuki in combat immediately uh, start swinging chairs at each other. They do the, the chair fight spot. And then, in the middle of that, Amada starts working over Kudo in a headlock. And I was just like, this is great. Like, I love this. Like, Amada's, like, getting a real stern headlock in while combat's breaking a fucking chair over over Yuki's head. It was absolutely insane. Um, This was definitely a good environment for Matsumoto, or Morimatsu, rather. And, because, um, you know, her, like, fundamentally, she's still very young, and she's still not there yet. Um, She's still actually wrestling today. I don't know if you knew this. He, she's in um, Pure J. She was earlier this year, at least before COVID. Um, so I, I had no idea that she's still wrestling. But yeah, she she really just fucking she adds to this match a lot more than I was expecting. Um, yeah, how how did you feel about the start of the match? Because I feel like it just started in such a insane way that I was just like, this is gonna be a fucking treat. And so yeah, how, how did you feel? Yeah, this was <laughs> this was incredible. Like I remember. Toyota and Amada, like they, 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 you know, jumped the baby faces, and then within minutes, people were dueling with chairs, and people were just fucking each other up. And I was like, this is so good. Like this is just, this is chaos, but it's so entertaining. Like, and the people were into it. They were loving it. It was just incredible. Like, if you're looking for fucking a psychology riddle tag match, this isn't it. This was just great chaos, <laughs> and I loved it. Yeah. Uh, once again, I need to reiterate how horrible these mats were. Uh, at one point, like in the early middle of the match, Combat hit a double arm choke slam on Kudo, and that was like it was tough. We talked about the suplex being tough. That you just heard the thud, and you just saw her just like just brace it and just like accept it and be like okay i'm dead now it was horrible <laughs> and that was only like a couple minutes into the match that wasn't even like a like you know match ending shit that was early on and she got fucked up from that shit um at some point uh Morimatsu got you know like busted in the head or whatever and they they were like attending to her um at the corner of the mat 
<laughs> instead of like instead of like off camera <laughs> a little bit like to the side it's like yeah we're, you're gonna stay on the mat that's kind of useless but we're gonna we're gonna keep you we're gonna keep it canonical you know we gotta we gotta we gotta do what we gotta do um and then she's like okay i'm back i i got i got fixed up and she gets her shit rocked again with a fucking chair and <laughs> she just like she's like yeah let's go and she gets fucking fucked up it was great i absolutely loved it um <laughs> and then after after she got like back up they all four of them started swinging chairs at each other they all had chairs and they were just fucking like battering each other with them and it's like it's 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 absolutely insane um you know i really liked how seamlessly this match transition transitioned from like uh you know headlocks and like you know uh choke slams you know body slams this and that to killing each other with chairs to okay i'm gonna get you another headlock gonna, you know we're gonna work a, a, a scorpion death lock you know whatever then more chairs and it's like they it really was just like mashed together very like seamlessly that's like oh now we're doing this now okay and we're back to the like it, it's just it was really really fun in that aspect um one thing that was sort of funny to me was that the ref was counting out a wrestler for pulling hair and I was like, dude, you just watched them murder each other with chairs and whips and fucking and throwing tables at each other. And now you're going to disqualify them for fucking pulling hair <laughs> and for, for like gouging eyes. I'm just like, is that like that's where that's where you draw the line here. But, you know, refs, I think refs it's probably because she didn't stop when the, they were like, you're in the ring now and you you didn't stop. So that was that was it. <laughs> <laughs> you're in the ring now you're on this very small piece of mat <laughs> that's maybe like your size but yeah. um yeah it, it was just I, I found that real funny it, it made me pop but uh yeah it was just real fun um they started throwing shit at each other and it was like hitting fans Oh my god! Like yeah. like when they started throwing shit, I was like, "Oh, watch out!" Because I I was worried for the fans that were <laughs> that were getting chairs pelted at them. They had to like like dodge them, and I was like, "This is absolutely fucking insane!" Like this is some fucking Brody shit, like Bruiser Brody. This like this is some it, like this is like this is great. Oh, uh, and then <laughs> and then in the in the fashion that I I mentioned earlier about the seamless transition, Amada simply defeated Morimatsu with the half crab. And that was the end of the match. Um, it wait, was. It wait, was. Wait. Oh, wait, really? Go ahead. Yeah. I thought it was a DQ. Was it? Because I because Amada, Amada had Amada had her in a half crab, and then oh. like shit happened, and then Amada in combat were like, yeah, and then they walked away. Yeah, so I assumed the camera, the camera was focused on. Toyota and Kudo, who had just been eating chairs at each other and doing all that shit, so like the the, the action in the ring was very much secondary to the yeah. camera person. So and then they they just rang the bell, and I was like, oh, it must have been disqualification, I guess, but apparently not. No, Amada simply learned from the young Lance Storm at this point, and <laughs> yeah, I, I was actually I was I was looking it up, and unfortunately for anybody who you know is. Is in on the joke. Luther was not on these shows yet. He didn't get to FMW until 1992. Fuck. Um, I know. Fuck. I it, it really. The thing is, is that Luther's actually really fucking good in FMW. Like I've watched some of his stuff, and it is really fun. Uh, so I didn't get to you know. It was like, oh, I guess I'll sit. I'll leave this going, and I'll just watch some some you know Luther. But you know, he wasn't on the show. So you know, we'll have to wait a couple years. But we'll 
we'll we'll review Luther matches as well. Like Luther is the one male wrestler we will also review if we get to 1993, which hopefully we will. Let's not jinx it. But yeah, this match was really really fun. I really enjoyed watching this. Like you know, there's there's matches that like are good. Uh, are good matches. There are matches that are like good, like hardcore matches that are fun to watch. This was not a good match, but it was so fucking fun. It was so great to watch, and I absolutely loved it. Uh, wrestlers throwing chairs at each other will never not be like a great thing. Like just like I don't know the like the chair shots are great, but the chaos, like the the you know chaotic energy of throwing an item at somebody else will never be topped because it's like that shit can kill them <laughs> and that sounds fucked up but but like it's so it's so like uh it has so much potential you know like if we're talking about science it's a lot of potential energy a lot more if you throw it than if you just hit them with it so throwing shit at each other is always a pop for me always love it and yeah this this match was just really really fun wouldn't you say yeah, it was very different, but at the same time, it was just entertaining in how much chaos was going on. And I think it was it was really held together by like the Kudo and Toyota interactions, because like Toyota would fight back and she'd like get her hands on a weapon, and Toyota would just throw shit at her. And it's like this, this, this was the thread of the match. Like this was what we were all here for, and it was just their interactions were so good. But I thought Morimatsu as well really stood up to the out to the outbreakers really well like she was the one dueling with uh, amada with the chairs and it was just like yeah the baby faces here fucking rule you know what i mean like the everybody looked really good because everybody was just like i will kill my opponents if needs be and i am always here for that kind of energy like there's not enough murder in wrestling these days and this match had it in spades that's something that I really, really like about Makumakudo, and that's something that really stood out. And, you know, in this case, um, Marimatsu, is that they are really good at getting sympathy, like I said in the last match, but they are extremely capable. Like, just like, as like a story, like a, as a character, like, you know, you know, at the end of the day, Makumakudo ain't gonna, you know, like, underdog story fight back. Any given day, she can break somebody's neck, and she can murder somebody if she wanted to. But, you know, she's of you know she plays by the rules that's how a baby face is you know like they're maybe not plays by the rules but they're a little bit more like uh they have more morality i suppose is the best way to describe it but you never think that it's like oh kudos really really like you know like, like she she gets beat up but she never feels like she's like in distress you know what i mean um which is obviously that's like a good thing for any good babyface but i feel like she does it extremely well where it's like she's so good at getting sympathy from the crowd and the crowd absolutely loves her and the crowd wants her to like overcome and the thing is is that everybody knows that like theoretically she could beat the shit out of anybody like just easily um so like you said the babyfaces rule in fmw uh where they just like they seem very very capable but they're still also you know there's still the heat that they get and you know like they're they, they're still able to fight from behind and you know like it all of that good you know wrestling lingo that nobody cares about but they're just really really good at what they fucking do um and this match is a very good example of that then oh go ahead 
I was just gonna say the show kind of goes downhill from here because the rest of the matches were clipped to fuck. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was gonna say. Um, next three matches, I'm actually happy one of them got clipped because I didn't want to watch it yeah, more than that. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, but the next three matches were very heavily clipped. Um, on the commercial version of this uh, tape that I definitely didn't steal. Um, it's <laughs> uh the anniversary show, the FMW first anniversary. FMW has only been around for a year by November of 1990, which is kind of insane because I feel like they were just like always around early on. So it's like that sort of like a weird like thing to wrap my head around. Um, but yeah, the the matches are clipped to all hell, uh, and so none of them really hit as hard as I'm sure the first and last one could have or did. Um, when watching it like uninterrupted. So the first one is a taste of things to come. It's Eriko Suchia and Yoshika Medamari, you know, Shark and Crusher, Mad Dog Military, uh, Combat Army, if you will, against Amiibo Sato and Yuki Morimatsu. Um, this is the opening match for the entire show, actually, and it was quite enjoyable. Uh, we've seen Miwa and Yuki all over these shows lately. Like, I'm pretty sure they've been in every, you know, they've been a part of basically everything that we've talked about with FMW. And they're they're both like growing into pretty solid wrestlers. Morimatsu finally has like gear. Like she like has like a whole like she has an outfit, so to speak. She used to have like the you know, a singlet, like the basic young young girl gear. Now she has like the I don't know, she she just looks cool. Um Suchia and Maidamari on the other hand. <laughs> Sharky has a green singlet and a crop top on over it. For some reason, um, and yeah, and Crusher has the same gear that she had before. Uh, they definitely don't look like who they will eventually look like, because I don't know if I've said it on the podcast before, but Ariko and Maidamari are the most badass-looking wrestlers of all time. That's what they go on to be. They have the coolest look. They have the best promos. They are some of the just most badass motherfuckers in professional wrestling. Um, killer of punk, punk bitches, if you will. Um, shout out, Cultable. But this was obviously not that. Uh, this is the first shark match of the week. Shark match of the week. I don't know where the fuck I came up with that. First, <laughs> the first shark match in our timeline. The first shark match that we will watch. First, Rico Suchia, if you will. Uh, sorry if you guys don't know who these names are. I mix them all up because I call them Sharky. I call I call Rico Suchia Sharky regardless. Even though it's not her name yet, same thing with fucking combat. Same thing with fucking with Crusher. I'm sorry if you don't know their names. When I'm talking about Sharky. I'm talking about Rico Suchia. Um, Suchia is a guilty pleasure wrestler of mine. She's one of my favorites. Um, like I said, she's just absolutely badass. Like she goes on to be just insanely just fun, even if she wasn't the most like profoundly like work rate great wrestler of all time. Um, and this this match really showed once again that it's like these two fundamentally are really good heels at the at the you know at face value they're really good heels they have really good fundamentals and they're really just decent wrestlers. A lot of their beatdown, a lot of the heat was cut out because they like got like <laughs> they threw them out to the floor and they start beating on them and then it just cut to when they're back in the ring and it's even. And I was like, what the, like, we just missed, like, the entire point of a Suchia made a Mari match. Like, I don't know why, like, come on, man. <laughs> so that was, that was, that kind of sucked, but I assume that was quite good. Um, 
And the the closing stretch wasn't bad, given the you know that's a opening match and it's not really important. Ariko hits a Suchia bomb, which is just a power bomb, on Sato. It gets broken up, and then she goes for another Suchia bomb, but Sato rolls her up and gets the win. Uh, pretty sure, you know, not very important, but it was fun enough. Like I enjoyed it because you know I'm a big shark guy. And I'm a big Crusher guy, and I'm a big Saddle fan, and I'm a big Morimatsu fan. I like all four of these women. So it was very unoffensive. It was weird seeing Shark without the face paint, because she gets the face paint in a month. Like, so like a month after the serve, like how Kyoko Inoue, it's like we we're talking about, damn, that's really weird that she doesn't have face paint. And then two weeks later, it's like, oh, she has face paint now. Because, you know, they listen to us, you know, you, you get it, you get it. <laughs> like, you know, time travel, you know, all that stuff. Uh... Yeah, so I, I enjoyed this match. Uh, it's probably mostly just for my bias because I really like uh, Mad Dog Military. But how did you feel about this short but, you know, meaningless and unoffensive match? Um, I don't have, like, five minutes worth of thoughts on it, like, yourself. Um, <laughs> I, I Like, it was a very heel-heavy match, I thought. The crowd is really into Yuki, I noticed. Like, they, they were chanting for her a lot, and she had some good high-flying offense which i think helps her stand out in fmw because everybody else is kind of just a brawler and yeah that was it that was kind of the only takeaway was that i thought i know i like i realized that this was sharky and crusher and that they were teaming um and i thought that they did a good job at doing what they became known for um but definitely yuki kind of made the biggest impression because like yeah the crowd was really really into her which i wasn't really expecting because even like in the last match we saw of her, like it was more of a kudo crowd rather than a Morimatsu crowd. That's true. Uh, regardless, the FMW crowds are really good, and I feel like yeah, we could talk about hot. that with like, especially FMW and AJW. JWP crowds are a bit more like uh, modern crowds, where modern Japanese crowds at least, where they are a bit quieter. But FMW and AJW at this point have insane crowds. Like, the crowds are so hot for everything, and it's really nice. Um, I wish there was more of that in wrestling today. I say that all the time, but it's like, you know, if, if Mayu and fucking Shuri had this crowd, it would have been, I know you are a bitch, but it would have been absolutely amazing. Um, so I like the match. I like. <laughs> I'm 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 crossovering it. I'm crossovering the yeah. But um, but, you know, if like if matches like that or you know like the if Kagetsu matches had the same like fire crowd that this had, she would be the greatest of all time. Like that's just my opinion. Uh, just like little things like that. FMW crowd, one of the best. But the FMW crowd could not save the next match. Unfortunately, no matter how hard they tried. Uh, the next match was actually the women's title match. Um, WWA women's title, not to be confused with the 3WA women's title. Uh, this is the FMW women's title that they'll be using for, you know, however long they use it. I think they only use it for the first seven years of FMW uh, until Kuda retires. But yeah, so the WWA women's title becomes the FMW women's title, becomes the FMW independent women's title, becomes the FMW independent women's and WWA women's title. It's an absolute fucking mouthful, I know. So we're just going to call it the WWA women's title. And the first match to cont contested for this title is a atrocious one. It was absolutely horrible. It was BC the Road Warrior versus Kamba Toyota. If you're unaware, BC the World Warrior was a glow girl. And um, contrary to the 
hit TV show on Netflix that should get renewed. You know, come on, Netflix, don't be a bitch. Not out um, there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in contrast to that, the Glow Girls were not good. I'm, I'm, I'm just. Most of them were quite terrible, in fact. And this is an example of that. Uh, I don't know why Beastie was in the first ever FMW Women's Title match, but she was. Um, combat made sense because she's Combat Toyota. Um, this was Combat's first babyface performance ever. Like it's the first time that she had to play babyface. And I think that she did well with how she could have. Um, she was just like a bit more explosive, a bit more like, you know, like just like fighting spirit y. But uh, every time she would do something like interesting, Beastie would just like get up and be like, nah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a monster. I'm a guy. Yeah. And it's, it, it was not good. It was very not good. Was uh, this a shoot, do you think? It wasn't it, a it shoot, like one. but Beastie was very uncooperative, and you can tell, especially with the finish, because, mm-hmm. like I said earlier, I don't think I built it up enough, the Thunderfire Powerbomb is a protected move in FMW. It is the sacred move of FMW. It's like, what's a good... Like, if in WWE, nobody does the fucking tombstone. Because if they did, like, that, like that's the move for WWE, so to speak, you know? Like, nobody fucking does it because that's Undertaker's move. That's the huge thing. Like, if somebody does it, they win. Like, it's a big deal. Like, that's a bad comparison. But Thunderfire Powerbomb, very important to FMW lore. Extremely, extremely vital. And the finish was combat hitting Beastie with a Thunderfire Powerbomb. Beastie kicking out. Wasn't supposed to kick out in the first place. And you can tell. And then Combat aggressively picks her back up for another Thunderfile Powerbombs. Holds her shoulders down like shoot. And then pins her. Wins the match. And Beastie gets up. And it's like, nah, I'm still fighting. It's like, that's the most important move in this entire fucking company. Absolutely insane. I don't think it was a shoot. But I think that the finish was definitely a shoot. Um, because... Beastie was very obviously uncooperative. Uh, other than that, I think Combat did good in her first babyface performance. This will also be her last for like a year and a half, I think, before she eventually goes on her first babyface run. Yeah, this was this was Combat did good, but this wasn't a Combat Toyota match, so it wasn't a good match. <laughs> you know, like uh, it was just. It was tough. It was it was a hard watch. Probably not the worst match because we have watched Medusa versus Aja Kong in a hybrid. Uh, uh, in the, we all remember that match. Um, so this wasn't <laughs> this wasn't the worst match because at least like combat like it felt like there was a cohesion to at least combat side of the story. Beastie completely killed her and killed the entire thing. But you know it was it was around the same level as the fucking shoot fight from a few months ago, but it was probably a little bit better. And the importance of this was obviously profound because there's a belt in circulation now. So, you know, title belts, as A. Kingston says, they are the most important thing in wrestling. If you don't want to be champion, what the fuck are you doing? So that really gives a very important step in the FMW Women's Division here, where Combat Toyota wins the first ever FMW Women's title. Do you want to talk shit about this match, or do you just have nothing to say? Because you can talk all the shit you want, because I, I, it was bad. No, my only thought on it was, was this a shoot? That's the only note I made. But if it wasn't <laughs> a shoot, then it was just bad. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, like like I said, maybe it was like a loss in translation thing. And Beastie didn't know that the finish was 
Thunder Fire Powerbomb, even though I feel like it's pretty, like, self-explanatory. She's wrestled in Japan before. Like, I checked yeah. the cage map, and she did work with AJW, so I assume mm-hmm. she knows what's going on, but, yeah. You'd think, but, you know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, like I said, combat's great. Uh, especially, like, she's still young, and she's still a little bit lighter, so she can do a bit more explosive stuff, whereas, you know, in a few years, she will be a bit more limited because she's just like be, she becomes the true monster whereas here you know she's doing more like uh you know like running clotheslines you know she was doing uh what's what's the bump the suit the the fucking bonsai drops oh she's doing a lot of stuff like that with her crazy drops i guess it would be and yeah she she did fine like i think that she did what she could with her with the hand that she was dealt but yeah i would not suggest anybody go out of their way to watch this match because it was bad um <laughs> The the final women's match is Megumi Kudo versus Rebun Amada. A uh, very important match. Uh, you probably don't know why, but this was a very important match. Kudo jumps Amada right out of the gate, like you do in FMW, because you know fuck entrances. Amada was wearing a marching band outfit. I don't know if you saw that. Yes, I did. Yeah. Like I guess that was her entrance gear, and she was just like wearing it for like because she got beat up in the entrance, and I was like. I kind of, kind of, I kind of like it. Like it looks kind of cool. Like, like why don't more people wear marching band outfits? I'm, I'm, it's, it's a really random thing to wear to the ring, but you know, it, it looked cool enough. Uh, yeah, it was this once again. It was a victim of clipping because the match was 12 minutes, and we saw like six minutes of it maybe. Um, and four of those were the finish. <laughs> so like it was, it was, it suffered to that. Um, the overall weight of it is more important than the actual match itself. Uh, the match finishes with Kudo hitting, like, ten back suplexes, and it just knocked Amada out. Like, Amada's just fucking dead. Like, that was it. And Kudo Yeah, that was, that was pretty crazy, but then when you, I looked into it, and Amada's back was fucked anyway, so they... Yes. Yeah, and then this was her last ever match, too, so she went out no, it, getting no, killed. No, no, no. It wasn't no? her last ever match. This was her second to last. Um, and we'll talk oh, about that in a second. But yeah, uh, it was a really interesting finish. Um, I feel like they could do this more often, and it would be like, huh, that's like. I feel like people in general like if you just like keep repeatedly like spamming a move, and the your opponent can't get up, then j- just like it, they're stoppage. Like that would be sort of interesting. Um, I know nowadays people get mad if a finish is anything but a pinfall or a submission or really if anything's any finish other than a pinfall at this point but i i feel like this was a really really good finish it was really interesting finish and it made kudo look like a fucking killer um and that's always a good thing for wrestlers especially in fmw to look like you're like you know willing to murder your opponent because at some point you might have to uh in fmw knowing the (laughs) knowing the what the future holds for us uh like i said this match was lackluster because we didn't really see most of it and like like alex said amada's back was fucked up uh this was also the last match that i could personally find on in 1990 of fmw the last women's match at least there are a few things that i would like to go over because things do happen as the year closes out um and going into the next year because I did find a a few matches from January of 1991 
um, that we'll save for you know next time whenever we decide to cover FMW again. But some things that I'd, I wanted to touch on was that um, less than a month after the FMW anniversary show took place, Combat Toyota would recruit Maidamari and Tsuchiya and create the first version of the Combat Army, which is their most famous, uh, well, maybe not their most famous, it's probably their second most famous stint with or them with, with, with Combat. Combat Crusher, like it's really hard to just. <laughs> it's really, it's not easy to like say back and forth. But yeah, um, Crusher and Sharky team up with with Combat for a while, and that's one of their most famous stints as wrestlers. That and the Mad Dog Military, which is um, years down the line. But so they they do form the Combat Army. They start getting painted up, and that's when they really become, you know, the the Maidamara and the Suchia that we know. Uh, even if they don't have their, you know badass names yet uh this also coincides with the first ever all women's show in fmw history in december of 1990 it was not recorded but it got a record attendance of 2,000 people i believe uh it was a big show like people it really shows that a lot of people were like yo this this is working like this is good um and it was working so well that this actually um got them to hire four more wrestlers to the women's division um i don't have their names they're all rookies at this point like they you know they're all dojo trainees but this was a very big step for the fmw women division um was the first all women's show and the all women's show also as we alluded to earlier served as amada's final match in fmw and final match in general uh it was her against combat toyota and Combat Toyota obviously beat her. Uh, the Outbreakers are officially dead, um, unfortunately. Amato was always, always like the third wheel because we kind of like just in general of the Outbreakers because Combat and Megumi Kudo are just so good that she always sort of played third wheel. But she was originally the leader and she she did have some good stints. She had good, some good stuff, but her back just couldn't couldn't hold out and her against combat was i'm sure very emotional because they were both really good friends and all that and so final match was combat power power bombing her to hell and sending her out on her back and yeah that's that's more or less the ins and outs of fmw 1990 a lot better than i was expecting i'm not gonna lie even though we did shit on on the last couple matches a bit well at least the the title match we did shine a little bit but i think that more or less it was a solid showing sorry about that ladies and gentlemen both of our mics were just decided to be bitches and just fuck up and discord was also a <laughs> dick so it was like a whole it was a whole thing um but where i left off was basically you know all women's show in december big big deal fucking they hired four new rookies um one of them being tarzan goto's wife um I forget what her name is. I'm really unprepared. I should have become. I should have come way more prepared for this part yeah, of it. Yeah, I was cause... relying on you here for this <laughs> FMW. Thing. I know. I know. I because like I just, I just wrote a little thing of notes that it's like, oh yeah, uh, this stuff happens in December, so they hire some new people and Amada retires and Combat Army, and I was like, okay. I'm just, I just realized that it's like I probably should have like you know written down the names of the people who came in, but you know uh, we'll we'll see them next month. But well, not next month. Next year we'll see them next year. But 
they hired some new rookies. They're doing really well. The FMW Women's Division is really killing it. Um, they're they're going to really start to pick things up um, moving forward. I think that this was a way better showing that I was expecting out of them for their rookie year of women's matches. And yeah, I thought it was really good in comparison to what my initial expectations were. How do you feel, Alex? Yeah, I mean, the the first match set the bar kind of low in that we were kind of like, oh, this, this might not be that good. And I I had seen, I think I saw a Combat Toyota match in AJW that wasn't that good, which I guess now I can put down to just bad chemistry or something. So I went in kind of thinking, all right, this this won't be good, but look, we'll you know we'll look at it from the perspective of oh, it's a young division. But even taking that into account, like some of the matches are really good, and you can already understand why Kudo and Toyota became such big names. And I think. 1990 in general was a building year for Joshi, and I think FMW was a big part of that. Like, they definitely have a building block here that they're going to work from, uh, just like every promotion kind of did in 1990. So I think, you know, compared to other promotions, sure, they don't have the, the big following yet, but their stuff was just as good as anyone else. You know, their their output is just as good as the AJWs or the JWPs in terms of star building and matches and stuff like that. So it was definitely a good year, a good building block year for them, just like it was for all of Joshi, really. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, you're, you're right that it's like all of Joshi sort of went through a building block year. And it's like, you know, it wasn't the, like what we've seen so far, obviously we still have two more months left, but what we've seen so far obviously weren't the greatest matches we've ever seen, except for maybe the fucking, uh, Kandori versus Harley Saito, that's probably like top 15 for me, because uh, that was fucking amazing. But, yeah. you know, like, 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 for the most part, they weren't the most amazing matches of all time, but they were some good matches, and they were signs of things to come. I feel like I say that all the time on this podcast, but, like, there was a lot of, like, just things to wait for and to to anticipate because this is good already it's going to get better because this is just like the ground level of it so that that's really fun for me to enjoy i'm sure it's fun for you to enjoy i hope it's fun for our listeners to enjoy uh next month kind of a big deal wrestlemania pre had two comes out um obviously it was november of 1990 that's the show with the big the actual big Bonacana versus Aja Kong cage match, the most famous Aja Kong Bonacana cage match comparison to the one that Ghetto ruined. Um, <laughs> still not forgetting about that. Um, yeah, so that's 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 a real big show. There's you know all of the legends are out. You know fucking well not the legends but Kyoko Inoue is in it, Manami Toyota, all of them. You know like the the people that you care about, Yumiko Hoda's on there. You know Kira Hokuto. Like just uh, come come and listen to us because it will be a big show. It's going to be our biggest show of the year. I really hope that you come and indulge us. I believe you've been enjoying VTG so far. Alex, would you like to plug your Twitter? Because I, you know, clout and whatnot. Go ahead. Uh, sure, yeah. You probably shouldn't follow me, but if you want to, it's at LWOSPW Alex Orr. Yes. Um, for me, it's at XXIchiban on Twitter. Um, I write things. I make videos now. I guess I fucking I I don't know. I'm doing fucking everything. He um, does everything fucking... but contribute to my website. But that's another. Story. Okay. Hey, I just. I, uh, mm. <laughs> Where's Off that Azami article asked for like three months ago? I. <laughs> um. Anyway. Oh uh, yeah, I'm actually actually on Twitter. Uh, I just got called out, so I'm gonna I'm gonna make this quick. Uh. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> Damn it, Alex. Come on, man. Um, Tell your mom. Tell your dad. Tell your brother. Tell your mother. Uh, I said mother twice. I know. I say it every time. Uh, Tell your dog. Tell your grandmother. Tell your brother's sister's mom's dog. And tell everybody, whoever the fuck you want, to listen to the best Joshi Wrestling Podcast. Classic Joshi Wrestling Podcast. That is Victory Through Guts. Yo. Have a nice day. Matana. Matana? Arriba Uh, you know. Bye. I said Ijo already. Pick it out. Get out of my house now. Leave. Out. <laughs> <laughs>